well over a hundred years ago, there was, a, uh, there was someone called Robert Robinson, and he wrote a hymn that uh, many of you may know with these famous words, <clears throat> prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Those, uh, those words have resonated with Christians uh, since that, that, that verse was written so, um, so many years ago, in fact. It was, he was born in 1735 in England, and at the age of 14, he was actually sent to London um, to do an apprenticeship uh, there, a barber apprenticeship. And once he'd finished his apprenticeship, he was 17, and he had some uh, not-so-great uh, mates, and there was a... a preacher there, a fairly well-known preacher named George Whitfield. Um, he, was, he was so famous, it would be something like a Billy Graham of that time. And he decided that he was going to go to one of his, his preaching events, and uh, those, those guys decided to go to heckle George Whitfield. But um, instead of heckling George Whitfield, he, he listened to the message, and he was actually um, saved and came to faith in Christ. He was so moved that he actually decided that he was going to give his life um, to ministry. And at the age of 23, he wrote that hymn. What it would come thou fount of every blessing. 23. Can you imagine that? In his later life, um, it's, it's said that he came on some, some more difficult times. And uh, there's this, this story that is told about him that he was travelling in a coach and um, <clears throat> there was this young lady opposite him and she was actually humming uh, this hymn that he had written, not knowing that it was him that actually composed it. And he was sitting opposite her and tears started to flow down his eyes and uh, she asked him, what, what does this hymn mean to you? And these are the words that he said. That He, uh, he said, Madame, I am the poor unhappy man who wrote the hymn many years ago and I would give a thousand worlds if I had them to enjoy that feeling once again, to enjoy that feeling I had then. This is um, a story that's been passed down for a while and it, it's, uh, it's really not um, able to be verified but I, I have no reason to, to, to think that it was, it was made up as such. Um, but the reason I think it's been passed down is because it resonates. It, it, it resonates um, both those words, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love, and also these words that, that come from that story in the coach, they resonate with Christians. Because whether it's, whether it's to that extreme or whether it's to a lesser extent, there are times in, in every believer's life when we feel this way where we feel as if the best years of our life are behind us because we've wandered far from God. Sometimes um, termed as, as a waning faith or, um, or even, even losing faith. I was out uh, at, the, at the shopping centre just down here a couple of weeks ago when Graham was on holidays and uh, had an opportunity to be... Um, to to be there as a uh, community chaplain. And it, it quite, um, every time I do that, I meet people who have had an encounter with Jesus, had an encounter with, um, with the church, and uh, have somehow 
moved away or, or drifted away. There's been a, a waning of faith or, a, or a, even a, a complete loss of faith. And there's, there's many, as, as you kind of delve into that, there's, there's many different reasons that are given for that. Uh, some of those reasons are um, because of the, uh, one of the instruments that, the, that God uses, which is the, the church. And uh, bad experiences in the church with people or, or with something that happened there or with a pastor. Uh, sometimes it's uh, that they've, they've fallen into, into some type of sin and, and haven't felt like they can come back to God. Uh, sometimes it's a relationship, they've got married to someone who, um, who wasn't a believer and have kind of just drifted. Other times there's um, suffering. And it's trying to work out, how, how does this work? How does it work to have an all-powerful God that is all-loving and yet my life is like this? Sometimes it's uh, unanswered prayer. Um, other times it's boredom. There's a, there's a number of different reasons why uh, people can, can kind of drift away from faith. Maybe... Um, Maybe, maybe even some of our faith has, have taken a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a, I'm trying to, I've got a French word in my, mouth, in my mind, um, uh, has been affected in some way. And yet we're still here. Uh, we're still here with God's people uh, because we know that it is important to meet with God's people. And uh, in, in a sense, that is, that is honourable. It's, it's an expression of faith, saying, God, I, I'm still reaching out for you. I still, I still long for you. I still long for those days when uh, I, I really, truly experienced that, that, that joy and that peace and that hope that is found in you, that is found in faith. There's also uh, those people who have gone through some really tough times in life. And uh, something's happened, and, and it's actually refined their faith. It's, it's proven their faith. And uh, these are the type of people that, um, when, when, you, when you look at them, they're men and women that are, have this deep contentedness. It's this peace. It's this, this deep, um, founded joy and, uh, and a peace that you, you can see. How do we be people like that? How do we be people with this deep joy and this deep faith and this deep um, peace? How do we mend? How do we restore faith that has been lost? We're uh, heading into a series now, and uh, it's uh, looking through... We're actually going to be walking through the book of Jonah. Not going to be spending much time... Not Jonah, Joshua... Uh, not going to be spending much time on, in that book today. We're going to look at it at the very end. We're going to kind of set the framework for, for our understanding of faith as we, uh, as we move through uh, this today. So let's pray before we get started. And uh, so, Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, we, we, uh, I think, first of all, of Felicity's declaration of faith this morning. And uh, there's a sense that every time someone's baptised, every time we, we take communion together, there's this declaration that together we are uh, your children and we say we want to serve you and we want to we uh, walk with you in faith and trust. So Lord, I, I, uh, I pray this morning that, um, that as we come to your word and we look at this fundamental of the Christian walk, 
faith that you would speak to us, that you would be, begin to rebuild and that we would see you clearly as the object of our faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's a, uh, the passage in Hebrews. Uh, it's um, in Hebrews chapter 11. And it's, it's known as, as the, the faith passage. Um, there's a, 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 just a, a huge list of, of people that have walked in faith throughout um, biblical history. And uh, there's this line here in verse 6, and it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. We see that it is, um, faith is, is incredibly important to the Christian, um, Christian walk. It, it really is the, uh, the, the, the core ingredient, if you could say, um, of, of who we are as Christians. We are, we are people of faith. We're people of faith in the God who created and uh, in, in, the, in, in Jesus who came um, to save and rescue us. In the gospel, uh, there's, uh, there's some accounts of, of, of Jesus and um, two times it tells us that he was absolutely amazed. Uh, that, that Greek word there that is translated amazed, it kind of has the, the idea of wonder or, or to be astonished or to be amazed. And Jesus is only amazed twice, or at least it's recorded for us twice that he's amazed. And, and that kind of pricks my interest. What would the creator of the universe in flesh be amazed about? What could amaze Jesus? The first one is found in Matthew chapter 8, um, starting in verse 5 here. And he was amazed by a man who was, um, uh, I guess it would be unusual, unexpected for Jesus to be amazed by this man. This man was a centurion. He was a, he was a Roman soldier and uh, he, was, he was high in rank. It says, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him and asked him, he said, Lord, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? So here we go. We have um, Jesus and his disciples, uh, that, and, and the centurion comes, a, a Roman soldier comes, asks to speak with Jesus, and, and, and says, I, I've got a servant at home. We don't know what happened to this servant. Maybe he had an accident, um, but, but this centurion was really worried about him. It would stand a reason that this centurion had heard something about Jesus, had heard the stories, maybe even seen um, some, some things that Jesus had done in healing people. And he thought that Jesus would be able to heal his servant as well. That's a really, really interesting reply, isn't it? Um, you, you would think that the centurion would say, yes, please, please come back with me quickly, as fast as you can. But he doesn't say that. He, he, he basically says, don't, don't bother coming home. I, I, I know how this works. I, I'm someone that is under authority and I have those who are under my authority as well. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus goes on to say, truly I tell you, I have not found anybody in Israel with such great faith. Jesus was amazed by this centurion's faith. That's the first account. 
We have a, a, an account of Jesus being amazed, and it's amazed by faith. We've got a, another account, and um, this account, the second account, is when Jesus is in his hometown of Nazareth, and uh, it's, it's found in, in Luke and, and, and in Mark. Um, and, and what happens here, Jesus goes in a, what, the very first time. And the very first time he goes into the synagogue and he starts speaking, starts opening the scriptures to the people, starts speaking about truth, and the people are enraged. In fact, they, they go out and they, they go out and they want to actually chuck him off a cliff. They're so enraged. It's interesting, Jesus actually comes back to his hometown again. And uh, I think this is quite amazing. I think it, it shows some of Jesus's and some of God's patience and persistence with us. Comes back again, and on this second time, it talks about um, Jesus being amazed again. You see, what, what, what happened is the people believed that Jesus had, had great wisdom and that he had great power, and yet they couldn't grasp it. That they said, in essence, um, who does this man think he is? We know who he is. We know his mum, Mary, we know his sisters and brothers, we know that he's a carpenter, we saw him growing up. Who does he think he is? Now, this had implications. When, when the, this, this town said, the claims of Jesus, I'm not accepting. I see him only as a, as a, as a, as a man who walked this earth, and that had great implications for them. Uh, what happened is, is that Jesus actually goes on to say that he couldn't do many miracles there uh, because of their lack of faith. Here we have two examples of uh, great faith, of faith, of Jesus being amazed by faith. One, a positive example where we have the centurion, an unlikely candidate that expressed great faith. And then on the other hand, we had this, um, this, this whole town with a lack of faith. Faith is a bedrock to the Christian walk. So what is faith? What, what, what is it? Is it, is, it just, um, is, it, is it something that just happens in our mind? I, I, I think of that show that, that kind of said, I, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Is it, is it, is it that? Is it trying to get our, our mind to believe something that's... Uh, not, doesn't really have any evidence for it or reason for it? Is faith, a, is faith like a, a power or a force that we can somehow wield in some way? The philosopher, uh, Richard Dawkins, he wrote this on the next slide there. He said, a case can be made that faith is one of the world's great evils, comparable to the smallpox virus, but harder to eradicate. Faith being belief that isn't based on evidence, uh, it is the principal vice of any religion. This idea of faith really represents uh, a fairly common idea of what faith is. Faith being, being a blind leap, uh, not knowing uh, what's going to happen, not having evidence for, not having reason for where we're leaping, a blind leap. But that's, that's not the way that the Bible talks about faith. It's not the way that, that Jesus talks about faith. I, I think of Jesus' interaction with, with many different people, and, and he definitely called them to have faith in him. And yet he, he wanted them to be sure of that, 
through, uh, through his, his life, his miracles. I think of Thomas and the way that he said, put, put, your, put your hand in me, check it out. Um, and then he, he talked about those who would come after and uh, for those who would have faith in him, um, even though they haven't seen him, that they would have faith in him because of the faithful stories that have been pre- prepared, um, preserved for us through the scriptures. That centurion, um, he didn't have blind faith. When, it, when we talk about the faith there, the centurion had, had reasoned that Jesus could help his servant. He'd heard stories, he'd seen stuff, and uh, from his own understanding of, of authority, um, he, he believed, yes, to leap, but it was, a leap, uh, it was a reasoned leap to come and ask Jesus to heal his servant. There's a sense in which um, we all actually live by faith. Uh, to be a mortal, uh, which is what we are, it's, it's, it's really a life of faith. It doesn't matter if you're, you're religious or, or uh, just, just to be human means that you live by faith every single day. Uh, there's so many things that we do that we're just not certain about. I, I think of last night, I put my alarm on and uh, on, my, on my phone to get up and I had faith that it would go off. Was I absolutely certain? Uh, no, but uh, it, it was reasonable for, for me to put faith in that phone uh, to, to wake me up because um, Apple made it, uh, which is always a good thing for those Apple lovers, not Jeremy. Um, But uh, it was reasonable for me to put, put, put faith in that. It's woken me up at, at numerous times in the past. I uh, made my way uh, to here this morning, got in my car. Um, I had faith in my car that it would get, it here, what, get me here. Was I absolutely certain? No. Um, but it was an act of faith even to hop in my car. Uh, I got a coffee on the way here and I had faith that they wouldn't give me food poisoning. Um, kind of know the, uh, some of the regulations in Australia and I've had coffee from there before. Um, got here, come under this roof here, have faith that this isn't going to fall on my head uh, this morning. We, we've all put faith in that. In essence, we... Uh, thanks, George. Yeah. I reckon it could uh, cyclone, no problems. We'll be right. Um, I have faith. Faith in you, George. Design. We, we put faith in these things, and, and really all of life we're putting faith. And, and sometimes we have more information to go on. More, sometimes we have more uh, evidence to go on, more assurance to go on, and, uh, and sometimes we have a, a little bit less. But um, if, if I wasn't walking by faith today, I, I wouldn't have even made it here. Um, to, to get somewhere, we need to walk by faith. So it's a simple thing. It's, it's, it's trusting and then it's action. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, it's not just left up in our head. It's, it's not just a mental thing. It's actually, yes, believing that this platform will... Uh, I can be down here and I can believe that this platform will, will hold me, but it's not until I actually get up on it and trust it that I'm expressing faith. That faith is, is an action. When we, when we actually trust God and, and act in with, with that faith that we have, that we're uh, exercising faith. Remember one time when I was uh, on the border of Benin and Nigeria. 
Uh, it, was, it was pretty uh, late at night. It had taken us, uh, I think, about four hours to actually get through the border with all the different checkpoints and um, different ways they like to extort you and, and everything like that. And we got to the other side. It was about nine o'clock at night, and um, we needed to be over the other side of town. Now, um, to, to be on the bus the next morning at, at 6 a.m. Now, now, this wasn't any, any old town. This was Lagos. And uh, Lagos is, is, is not a very nice town. Huge town and uh, huge, huge city and uh, can be quite a dangerous city. Uh, but there were, there were missionaries up in the centre of, um, of Nigeria who were waiting for us. So what happened is I had to work out, Julia and I, we were in our early 20s, we had to work out how we were going to get um, to the other side of Lagos. Uh, we certainly weren't walking across town. Not that we would make it, but we certainly wouldn't make it because we wouldn't have our lives still. Um, so we talked to, to a, a military lady who was still there, and she said, you, you need to take a taxi, and uh, I will pick one that I trust. Um, so going on the testimony of this military lady, she brought this, this taxi guy in and, um, and uh, said, he'll take you over there, it's this amount. I hopped in the car, like this car... Um, it's hard to call it a car. The, the sides were all ripped out. I could, I could literally almost see the... I could see through the, the ground. Um, windows wouldn't work. Uh, so many rattles. It was, it, was, um, it, it, was, it was just barely on the road. And uh, he stayed silent the entire time. It took us over two hours to get to the other side of town. And uh, we, we, there was times where I wasn't sure we were going to make it because he was going through all different areas and um, there, were, there were big fires everywhere, and, and I don't know if I was just interpreting through a, through a very Western mind. I don't know if I would have felt safe now, but I certainly felt very, very unsafe. And at times, he actually said, you need to push your heads down. Uh, they can't see you. Uh, and we'd put our heads down, and he would keep driving. Um, and I don't know what was happening there, whether my faith was actually rising or decreasing. Um, uh, the, the situation got scarier, um, but the, I think my faith actually increased in that driver to get me where I was going because I could tell that he was looking after us. He got us right to the, <clears throat> to the other side of town. We, we uh, came to our, our hotel there and went into the hotel and the person behind the reception, uh, we said, do you have any rooms? And um, she said, hmm, let me have a look. She looks in her book and there's, there's no names there at all. And she goes, we have one room left. <laughs> go, okay, okay. And, and she goes, it's the Superior Deluxe Executive Suite. <laughs> and uh, I think it was 50 US dollars, which is a huge amount of money back then, but I, I didn't really care. So we went up to our, I didn't really trust her, um, didn't have much faith in her, went up to the Executive Superior um, Deluxe Suite and uh, we couldn't even lie uh, in the sheets because they were so gross, uh, loaded on top of them. Uh, the, the, the shower wasn't working, water wasn't working, toilet was just like a bowl with no seat cover or anything. So there we go, superior deluxe um, room. I had to find someone who I could trust to get to the other side of the city. And uh, I, I, could, I could trust that guy. Uh, I, I didn't know, but, but I, I used my reason, I used my evidence, I, I, I listened to testimony of other people. 
I, I listened to this, this military lady who said that, that this person could be trusted. And uh, I wasn't sure that I would get there. I wasn't sure that this was all going to work out. Along the way, my, my faith kind of increased a little bit as he, as he, um, he kind of walked with us and, and told us to put our heads down and, and talk to us and we got to know the guy. My faith kept increasing. But in order for me to get to the other side, there comes a point where you've got to put faith in someone. And I, I think we can relate this to Jesus. You know, the, our, our world is a bit of a mess and uh, we can see that today. And the, the reality is, is that we're a bit of a mess as well. And Jesus comes and he says, I know this place is a mess. And he says, I'm going to restore all things. I'm going to wipe away every tear. I'm going to repair things, restore things, put them back to the way they are. I'm going to rule as king. And he invites us to put our faith and trust in him. I wasn't getting to the other side of the city unless I put my faith in someone. And Jesus invites us to put our faith in him for life. He says this, this is what he says to the Samaritan woman. He says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, they will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. That's our hope. And uh, we put our faith in Jesus for that. And that is reasoned and there's evidence for that. And we'll go into some of that uh, at another time. But it, it doesn't just have that, that future hope that we have. That, uh, that we are going to, to reign and rule with him and that, that we are going to be restored um, with Jesus as well. That future hope that we have, that, that is realised every day when we, when we put our faith in the everyday stuff of life. There's a, when we hold on to that hope and then live as if that is, that is, that is, that is coming true, with the assurance that that is coming true, it changes the way we live. It changes the way we, 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 we go about life. We, we live lives of faith when we say, Jesus, you're king, and I want to live your ways. We look different. We act differently. We think differently. When we say, God, your ways and not my ways, that's a life living in faith, and it touches every single aspect of our life. I want to read, um, I want to actually jump, just to close here, I want to jump into Joshua. As I was preparing uh, the message series over the next few months, I was reading through Joshua and uh, it's in Joshua chapter 5, I, uh, I want to kind of jump in just to the middle and there was this, uh, this part in there that I haven't, hadn't really noticed before, it's quite a peculiar part. It was just before, so Joshua, um, they, they've come out of Egypt and they've spent um, time, God's already appeared to Moses, given them the Ten Commandments. Uh, Moses and his um, contemporaries, they weren't allowed into the uh, Promised Land because lack of faith, but here's this new generation led by Joshua and they're coming in to take their promise. 
And they're just about there. They're at this, this one of the major cities. It's named Jericho. And there's, there's something that happens just before they take Jericho. It says, this is verse 13, chapter 5. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword, sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked him, Are you for us or for our enemies? When you're just about to go to, into a battle, that's what you'd want to know. You see this big guy with a sword and uh, you want to know, who, who are, you, are you for us or are you against us? Do I have to be scared of you or are you going to be with me? This was his response. This, this, this person, uh, which was a heavenly host, said, neither, he replied. I am here as a commander of the army of the Lord and I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does the Lord have for his servant? One of the things that we need to remember is that the object of our faith is always Jesus. We are, the object of our faith isn't, isn't church. It's not even, it's not even the Bible. It's, 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 it's primarily Jesus. That's, that is the object of the faith. That is, that is the person in whom we put our faith in. I love that. Um, neither. I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. And when our, when our faith is in the Lord, uh, we live lives saying, I want to know what you have to say. What message does the Lord have for his servant? Every day we ask this question. As a church, we ask this question. What message do you have for us? What message does the Lord have for us as his church? What message does the Lord have for us as his servants? And we say, God, I want to I align myself with what you say, with what you say in your word, with what you say through your Holy Spirit day by day. That's living a life of faith. So I look forward um, Every day, we live by faith. As, as mortals, we live by faith. And what Jesus encourages us to do, what Jesus uh, invites us to do, is to have our faith primarily set in him, both for our, for our future, but also for our present reality. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for these stories that uh, you, have, you have preserved for us. Think of this centurion that... Uh, that you commanded for, commanded for his faith. And Lord, we, we pray that we would be a people that, could, that you could go, well done, my good and faithful, faithful servant. We want to be a faithful people. So Lord, I, I want to pray for us as we, as some of us may have, have sensed a, a bit of a, a, a declining, a waning of our faith, of our trust and the everyday uh, walk with you. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen that. I pray that you, Jesus, would, would, raise, would rise in, in our minds. You are the object of our faith. So, Father, would you, would you continue to speak to us through this series as we look at what it means to be a people, a church and individuals that live by faith, assured of the wonderful destination and future and identity that you have for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.